Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. I'm Lisa, and I'm here with Brianna. And today we're going to talk about a topic that I know I'm really excited to dive into. I'm pretty sure Bree's pretty excited as well. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I feel like this has been a personal struggle for me throughout my entire life. So we are going to be chatting about imposter syndrome. So not only will we be talking about what imposter syndrome is, uh, but also how to recognize it and also our personal experiences as well. And we're also going to be chatting about some tips and ways to help overcome this. But before we jump in, just know that not only is this information not to be used as a diagnostic tool, but in reality, imposter syndrome is not something you can actually be diagnosed with as it's not recognized in the DSM-5, which is our diagnostic manual. So that does not mean that this is not a real issue uh, that people deal with. It just means that you cannot be officially diagnosed with this. So I thought that was interesting. Definitely wanted to include that before we got started. But we're going to go ahead. Let's let's dive into this. So let's start with some statistics and an overview of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome can also be known as perceived fraudulence. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines imposter syndrome in part as persistent doubt concerning one's abilities or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being exposed as a fraud despite evidence of one's ongoing success. And we will be going through all of the examples and what that means, including our own personal takes on that as well. Mm -hmm. So don't feel lost in that definition right now. The term imposter syndrome was first documented by psychologists Susanna Imes and Pauline Rose Clance in the 70s. It was first documented in high-achieving women who were experiencing the feelings of perceived fraudulence. But it is important to note that while women are the majority that battle the issues of imposter syndrome, it is not specific to women. This can happen to anyone, regardless of gender, race, status, profession, or expertise. It is essentially a feeling of being a phony in some area of your life or thinking you don't belong, and a deep fear that you will be, quote, found out as being a fraud. Most people with this syndrome end up suffering in silence because discussing this feeling can lead to that fear of being found out as someone who isn't capable or deserving. So you don't want to talk about it because then it might make it true, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and this is a very common feeling. According to studies done by Psychology Today, around 70% of adults will experience this feeling at least once in their life. I can definitely say I'm part of that 70% and I am feeling a little comforted that there are 70% of us, uh, but we don't talk about it because then it just validates everything that we're feeling. <laughs> so it's this secret society of, what is that? Almost three quarters of adults in the US. So if you're listening, there's a chance mm -hmm. you want to talk about this too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just circling back to the beginning, that's why I was so excited to talk about this and, and do more research. And, you know, that statistic, it's surprising, but in a way, it's kind of not, right? And I think it makes a mm -hmm. lot of sense. Um, I just, I understand culturally, we have a lot of expectations placed on us all of the time um, to be successful. And we also live in a culture that promotes 
you know, kind of advertising ourselves in these highlight reel kind of ways in our social media or even in our regular life as well. And so there's so much pressure to just to keep up appearances. And at the same time, we have a lot of influence from others' success that it's really easy to examine our own lives and, you know, perhaps believe that we're not enough or maybe not deserving of the things that we have. And Dr. Valerie Young is the top researcher on imposter syndrome. And she came out with a book in 2011, which will be linked below, by the way, if anyone's interested. In her book, she describes there are five personality types of imposter syndrome. So we are going to go ahead and take a look at each one. So the first type is the perfectionist. And this type is characterized by a hyper focus on how you do things in your life to the point where you begin to kind of demand perfection from yourself. But since perfection isn't realistic or always realistic or achievable, instead of acknowledging the work that's been done, this type is quick to feel like a failure and can even be reluctant to try new things to avoid that feeling of perceived failure. Number two is the natural genius. So some people, you know, pick up new information, skills, hobbies with ease. And I can say my two older brothers were those types where they never had to study for anything. They just naturally seemed to be gifted at school, at anything they did, sports that they tried. I, on the other hand, not so much, right? So the natural genius is someone that picks up things really quickly. Um, it feels like everything kind of just comes easy to them. And this is to the point for the natural genius where if something doesn't come instantaneously like that or very natural, it could lead them to feel ashamed, embarrassed, or even a failure. The third type that we have is called the rugged individualist or soloist. And this type has the belief that they should be able to handle anything on their own. If they can't achieve success independently, it makes them feel like a failure or a fraud. The thought of asking someone for help or accepting support will make someone with this type feel like not only are they failing on their standards, but also means that you're admitting to those shortcomings, right, for reaching out, asking for support, and therefore being exposed as a fraud. So again, kind of that conundrum, right, where it's kind of like a suffer in silence type of situation because you're afraid to ask for help. You're afraid of essentially being, quote, found out, which, yeah, could put a lot of, um, put a lot of limitations on your life for sure. The next type is called the expert. This type is characterized by the idea that before they can consider their work a success, they must learn everything they can on the topic, usually spending more time than what is necessary on the task out of the fear of needing to know it all. In this type, someone may consider themselves not enough or a fraud if they can't answer a question or find out there was more information they did not find previously doing research. So they feel like no matter what, in any situation, they always have to have the answer to the topic. And wow, that could be a lot to carry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our last type. Number five is the superhero. This last type correlates competence to an ability to succeed in every role or aspect in life, whether that be roles at work, in relationships, or really any capacity. Not being able to push themselves to the limit and expend as much energy as possible in every role will lead them to feel inadequate. It's important to note with this type that even if this maximum effort is achieved in their life, it won't resolve the imposter feelings as the ideas of I should be doing more or 
this shouldn't be so difficult will creep up for them and undermine their accomplishments. So where do these feelings come from? How do these types and characteristics manifest? While there is no singular cause of the feelings of imposter syndrome, there are a lot of factors that have been identified from childhood that can develop into it including parents or caregivers pressuring you to do well in school, being compared to siblings or other peers, being controlled or overprotected by parents, caregivers, being sharply criticized for any mistakes. Parents or caregivers highly praised or emphasized the child's natural intelligence. So we know which one that one feeds into, right? The natural genius. Mm-hmm academic success in childhood. So maybe elementary school proved to be easy and you received lots of praise from teachers or parents, but in college you find yourself struggling for the first time and feel worried that you don't belong there. You know, this used to come so easy for me. What's wrong when really it's just a different phase of life. It's a whole new set of circumstances and Mm -hmm. none of us are expected to be perfect at everything we do, even if we might be really great at some things in a certain area. Those early childhood experiences are crucial for how someone can develop these feelings later on in life. But there are other factors outside childhood as well, such as personality traits, existing mental health symptoms, bias, such as racial or gender bias, or even new responsibilities, such as maybe school or a new job that you take on that can bring upon these imposter feelings. And of course, this is not the be-all end-all of the internal or external factors that could bring these feelings up, but they are some of the most pervasive and common when it comes to this syndrome. So before we go into how we can try to combat imposter syndrome feelings, we're going to take a moment and just get real. Um, We're going to get real with how Bree and I have experienced this in our own lives. Again, we are really invested in doing this because this is something that we do deal with. And so let's go. Let's let's spill some tea. And I think Bree is going to be the brave one and and start us off here. Yes, I will absolutely self-identify as someone (laughs) who lives with imposter syndrome. (laughs) And when I first saw these five types, I was trying to figure out, okay, which one do I feel like I fit into? Because Mm -hmm. I am identifying that this is something I've struggled with. And I have kind of had some difficulty figuring that out. I'll talk through kind of what I've been experiencing and maybe people listening uh, can email us or, or comment depending on what platform, you know, they're listening on. Um, or maybe Lisa, maybe you have feedback on what type would make sense, but Ooh, I'll try. It's not, it's not necessarily a need to be perfect or to like have the answer to everything. Although, that is a factor in it. But I really experience imposter syndrome. I do some speaking engagements on the side. It's kind of like a little side gig of mine. And I think I could be more successful in it or like more booked out, more busy with it. But my imposter syndrome just comes in big time because I always think like, well, you know, I didn't experience physical violence in my mm-hmm. relationship. So what if there's a speaker out there who experienced physical violence and they have this like crazier story that people are going to want to hear more than they want to hear mine. And so why would I think that I can, 
you know, advertise my speaking engagements or even book these events. And even when I show up sometimes, it's like, well, I hope people actually want to listen to me. That's how I struggle with imposter syndrome is not feeling like I'm the correct one chosen for this job or why isn't me? You should probably have somebody else. So I, I can't really identify which one of those I fit in, but that that is how I experience it. And then I remind myself, it's not the trauma Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a training one time and they talked about that. Uh, you know, when you're thinking about your trauma compared to someone else's, you can't do the trauma Olympics. Everyone experiences it differently. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Every time I have a speaking engagement, there's at least one person who tells me that they were impacted and that they were so glad I was yeah. there. And that's what I need to be listening to instead of the self-doubt within me of who wants to listen to this. Right. You know, if I actually live out saying what I always say about like, if you make the difference to one person, it's worth it. That's what I need to remind myself Yeah, is I don't have to quote unquote impress an entire room. If it reaches one person, then that should be what's still motivating me to book those speaking engagements, you know? And as we have, I knew this was going to happen in this episode as we're going through it. I'm like <laughs> talking myself into it, like <laughs> of restarting it mm-hmm. and all that. I have an Instagram page for my speaking engagements. And I think I last posted on it like last May or something like that. And I say all the time, like, oh, I'll get it going again. And then the imposter syndrome is like, hmm, should you though? <laughs> mm, yeah. Limiting, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is, this episode is something I really wanted to talk about. This could also serve as accountability for me of this is imposter syndrome. And it's something I'm passionate about. If if you're passionate about it, you should go for it. You know, how would I have that conversation with a friend? Totally. I would say, you're good at this. You should go for it. So why am I not talking to myself like that? Yeah. I think that's really interesting because there's been times where I self-assess the inner dialogue I have with myself regarding something and holding myself back or, you know, kind of judging myself like is – are you able to do this? Like that whole narrative, right? Which I think is like the, mm-hmm. you know, the under underpinning of imposter syndrome is that kind of self-defeating narrative, right? But yes. I think about, you know, how would I talk to a friend about this? How would I talk to a family, anyone else in my life, my boyfriend, right? If they had these kind of limiting beliefs, I would probably be the first one there to be like, what do you mean? Of course you're great at this. Look at all the success you've had. Let's go through. We'll make a, a pretty little timeline of all of the wonderful things you've accomplished and you know how absolutely capable you are. But I'm like, why do I do that to myself then? You know, it's like it's easy to do that or see that for someone else and recognize that. But yeah, it's it's interesting how you just shift the lens to yourself and that inner dialogue. And it's just sometimes a different story. Um, and just hearing that, Brie, I'm I'm just thinking, and you know, we're not experts on this, by the way. We're just sharing this information. But from what I heard right. from you, almost sounded, ironically, um, like the expert. Um, that whole category of, you know, maybe not having all the answers. Maybe you're thinking that like my story doesn't have all the different components, right? That, you know, like you mentioned the the physical violence. Well, mine didn't necessarily have that. Um, when in reality, of course, your 
survivor story is incredible and something I think a lot of people can be inspired and take away a lot from. But maybe it's that that expert, right, kind of creeping in and saying, well, maybe you don't have all the answers. So I don't know, just that that was my little takeaway from from your story time. I could get behind that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. And I think too, you know, like doing this research on this and going through, like I kind of realized, I think I'm like a little bit of two different types. You know, I think I kind of have this like intersectionality of these two kind of, you know, forces coming together of my imposter syndrome. Um, And so to jump into my little tea time. Um, Again, this has been a lifelong struggle for me. I will again bring up my two older brothers. And it sounds like, you know, I'm throwing shade at my brothers. I'm not. I love them. They did not encourage any of this, you know, like me feeling like an imposter. None of that. Again, this is all self-created. But growing up with them, I always wanted to prove myself. And I just wanted to be doing what they were doing and had, you know, genuine interest in things that they liked. And so hockey was a big one for us. We all watched hockey since we were babies and started playing hockey. As soon as we can get on ice skates, we were on ice skates. But I joined a league um, finally once we were, I mean, I think about six or seven, um, we found a local league, we joined it. And it was up until that point, an all boys league. I don't know if it was just meant to be solo all boys league, but I, I just don't know if there was any other girls that had expressed interest or tried to join. And so, you know, they took me on the team and really quickly I found myself needing to prove myself all of the time. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't only to avoid criticism from my at first reluctant teammates. My brothers were super supportive, but of course, other guys in the team were like, oh, we have a girl on the team, you know? Um, So it wasn't just kind of proving myself to them, but also all the other teams that would taunt us. I mean, we played travel hockey. We went a lot of different places. We traveled quite far distances. And anytime we had, you know, uh, a new tournament or just playing a new team, didn't matter. The first things they would say is, oh my God, you guys have a girl on the team and just go through that whole narrative, right? And so I found like my team members kind of being hurt by that, um, you know, because after I kind of proved myself to them or just showed up and they're like, hey, she's not half bad, you know, they kind of had this little protective element over me where they'd be like, don't talk about her like that. But at the same time, it was like embarrassing because we do have the girl on the team. So it was this whole thing. Um, but I found myself just carrying this unbearable weight of needing to be the best. And so I would do anything to disprove that feeling that I shouldn't be there. I showed up, skated as hard as I could. I took down anybody on the other team I could. Like I was a little bulldog in there. Um, And, you know, throughout my hockey career, uh, I was really never able to shake that feeling. It didn't matter how good I actually did. It didn't matter how good of a player I actually was. Nothing ever got me over that. Right. And so that was really interesting for me to look back on because, you know, by the time I um, stopped doing hockey, just moved on to other things, you know, later on in kind of, you know, adulthood. um, Yeah. I looked back and I was like, why didn't I ever like celebrate myself? Like I was pretty awesome and I did a lot of cool things and had a lot of success. But again, that feeling, right? Like I shouldn't have been there in the first place type deal. But, you know, other than that, I have a lot of perfectionism tendencies, and that's something that now as an adult with my therapist, I am working on. Um, But I do, I have this tendency to be super hard on myself. And it's ironic that I didn't even actually know that about myself until my therapist pointed it out. And it was like this huge aha moment for me of like, huh, 
I am really hard on myself, aren't I? You know, and it's just thinking about that. I mean, that's something that somehow I hid from myself, which I think goes to show the level of how imposter syndrome can kind of infiltrate in a way where it's almost like you can't recognize it or you can't see beyond it, you know? And so I think that feeling of, you know, perfectionism, self criticism. I think that developed early on in life, you know, just dealing with a lot of things um, to get a little personal, battling with issues like I was overweight for a while, I was bullied. And a lot of that stuff just drove me to an unhealthy point where I felt like I needed to show up. I needed to be as perfect as I could. I needed to be the best. And again, no matter what I did, (laughs) no matter what I achieved, it still didn't go away. Uh, so looking at that list, those five types and really thinking through it, I think I, I identify most with the superhero and the perfectionist. I think those are really what I need to kind of come to grips with and, you know, have my moments working through that. Um, but it was really validating, you know, to hear the description of those, to learn more about this. Cause I've always just low key questioned, you know, am I, doing these things right? Like, why can't I celebrate the success? And, you know, having this internal voice all the time of like, you know, maybe you don't deserve it. Or like, should I celebrate? Girl, no, you should have done a lot more. Don't celebrate that, right? And yeah, it's just, again, it's so detrimental um, to have that belief system. And it's it's going to hold anyone back. And again, luckily, right now, I'm working on all these things. I have a wonderful therapist. And, you know, we're working through that together. So anyone out there, I just want to say that's listening and feeling like, wow, you know, this is something I've definitely felt or experienced. You know, you're not alone. We're definitely not alone in this. And it's super important, I think, to do whatever work you can to just start to shift the narrative because I think you'll be really surprised with yourself, the amount of things that, yeah, you are capable of, right? Once you can kind of turn off that little inner voice. Thank you for that, Lisa. There's so much of that that I can take and apply to myself. I knew that this episode was, like I said, was going to motivate me and I probably need to listen back on it every other month or so just to keep myself accountable, like I said, Mm -hmm. and make sure that I'm following through with the things that I want to follow through with and that I'm passionate about. Like, It makes me think with this especially happening in women, like, is this holding us back from reaching our full potential that each of us can have? Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't happen to only women, like we said, but there's, it just makes you wonder how many people are struggling with this and how much more we might be able to accomplish if we just set this aside and I know it's not that easy, but through therapy, through encouragement, Mm -hmm. having a good group of people around you who say, uh, yeah, you should absolutely go for it and just supporting people. You know, if you're not dealing with imposter syndrome, maybe a friend is. And so make sure you're reaching out. And if you really appreciate something that a friend is doing in their career or a little side gig or something like that, let them know that encouragement can really go a long way. So let's go on to talk about how we can combat these imposter feelings or still thrive in our life, regardless of these feelings being there. Let's be acknowledging these imposter feelings. So sharing imposter feelings can help them feel less overwhelming Mm -hmm. since you are not dealing with it alone or internally. I think this goes for so many things in life. Once you say it out loud, once you share it with somebody, it becomes less of a weight on you. 
Opening up to peers can encourage them to do the same, thus letting you know you are not alone, as so many people deal with this at some point. Yeah. Even just Lisa and I talking about this, the fact that we were both excited Mm -hmm. about the episode, we knew that we needed to talk about this and then going deeper into it. Now we kind of have that person that can encourage us in certain things or we know they feel the same and so we don't feel alone in what we're experiencing. That can make a really big difference. Talk to someone you trust about how you're feeling and your distress. This can help get some outside context on the situation. Yeah. It's important to note that sometimes validation from others can bring up the imposter feelings again, since it may cause you to reflect on points like, well, yeah, I did that, but I still could have done it better. But we wanted to bring this up to reiterate that it's important to self-reflect and challenge these feelings as they come up. So sometimes even that encouragement to a friend, maybe make sure you follow up on it because that friend could be thinking, yeah, they encouraged me on that, but I still could have done this. We are so self-defeating in our self-talk sometimes, and it just takes work in each one of us mm-hmm. to, to try and get past that. And that is a good segue to step two, which is challenging your doubts. If and when these thoughts come up, like in that conversation with someone who's trying to encourage or empower you, challenge those feelings. And ask yourself if there are any actual facts that support those beliefs. Look for facts and evidence that counters that feeling or belief. So for example, for me, if I was to do that with the example I brought up with my speaking engagements right now, I I think I already brought up the example actually of people come up to me and say that it was so valuable for me to be there that it made a difference for them. I need to remind myself of that and keep thinking about those people who could hear something from my story. And that's the whole reason why I'm in this job is because I don't want other people to have to go through the trauma that I went through. And that's why I'm passionate about prevention and all of the things. So it all ties together. And it's like, I already know the reasons why I'm passionate about this and why I do want people to hear my story, but I still get caught up in thinking that they don't. So it's just going back and reminding myself of Mm -hmm. those facts. That's huge. Step three is avoid comparing yourself to others. I'll preface this by saying, yes, a lot of the time, much easier said than done. Um, But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we do. We live in a world full of comparing ourselves to others, either online and our day to day. Instead of allowing other success to highlight your shortcomings, think about figuring out ways to develop the abilities that speak to you, right? So it doesn't matter if someone else is doing something and you can't necessarily do that or do it in that way. It doesn't matter. There's plenty of other things I'm sure you're capable of that you could be successful with or even just a different route to get to that same goal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't look the same, right? Recognize that no one and I'll say no one can do it all. Uh, so you may excel at every task you take on, but you don't have to. And nor is that always practical, right? Like, let's really think about, take a moment and think about the kind of pressure you're putting on yourself, really what you're trying to achieve. And is this 
realistic. Even the people that we see that are seemingly killing it at life and have everything under control, uh, they definitely have struggles and a lot of challenges that you most likely aren't seeing. And this is especially important to keep in mind for, again, those online influencers that you only see the glimpse of their life and the glittery, shiny parts, and we don't see all of that struggle that could inevitably be underneath. And lastly, it is okay to need more time to learn a new skill, even if someone else picks it up with less or minimal effort. Try and celebrate yourself for just taking on a new skill, which we know could be really hard for people with imposter syndrome to even take on, right, due to that fear of failure. And make sure you're celebrating yourself along the way. Celebrate that journey for your accomplishments, regardless of how small they may seem. Um, And again, especially if you're trying to compare yourself to others. I heard a quote one time that really stuck with me. And I think I think this was in like a fitness capacity. I had heard this um, and it's something that just kind of stuck with me in a motivating way, like outside of that realm. But don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 30. So in that sense, if you're taking on a new skill, it's new for you. It might take you a little bit. If you watch someone else who's maybe been, you know, um, studying that or taking part in that or practicing that for a long time, aka they're over there on chapter 30, well, yeah, it's going to look a lot different, right? You're just not there yet. You have not progressed through those levels the way that they have. And so I think that's a really lovely thing, again, to keep in mind, not just for, you know, again, a fitness realm, but for really anything. Um, You know, don't feel that need to compare yourself, especially if you see someone else doing it. It doesn't matter. It's about you. It's about you taking your own pace and doing something for you. And that's what it should really be about. Um, And I'm just, you know, I'm happy that we had this time today to chat about this. Like you said, I think this is a good kind of accountability placeholder for me in terms of really working on this with myself, making sure I continue with that self-awareness. Because again, this is so limiting, right? And I think about the amount of people out there that maybe didn't ask for that raise that maybe did not go out for that job or apply for it or didn't ask for the promotion, like whatever it is, you know, maybe they didn't ask that person out because they thought they weren't good enough. Like I could put any kind of scenario in these blanks, but I think about the people that have those kind of moments in life where they could have, and maybe they should have gone for something and they held themselves back from it. And who knows, maybe the people around them were like, you know, wow, I can't believe they didn't want to step into that role. I can't believe they didn't ask for that because easily we would have recognized what they are and who they are. And yeah, we would have given that to them, you know? So I think that's a good little kind of sign off here before we go into our meditation and kind of close this conversation out. Something just to keep our minds kind of oriented on, right? Is just being self-aware, how limiting are we being? And how much of that do we actually deserve? You know, if we look at the facts, how much of that is actually true? And so, yeah, a lot to take away today. Me and Brie are, I think, definitely, we're working through the motions here. We just got into it. We learned a lot about ourselves and about, you know, how deep this kind of goes. And so I appreciate you, Brie, also just for sharing out, you know, your personal story, um, being vulnerable on this platform. And before we close out, we are going to definitely do a meditation today. I think this is a good meditation to reconnect us to the presence, to acknowledge ourselves and our feelings, which, hey, for imposter syndrome, I think is a really good set of skills to kind of incorporate or keep in mind. So if you're available right now to take on this meditation, I invite you to just get yourself 
into a comfortable space, into a comfortable position, get somewhere where you can just fully relax, even if it's only for a moment or so, take that time for you. So while you're in this comfortable position, take a moment to just take in your surroundings before we even close our eyes. Just take in your surroundings and take just a deep breath in and out. Start to feel your body just kind of sinking down and relaxing. Start to deepen your inhales and your exhales. And take a moment just to enjoy this feeling of calm, this feeling of stillness. Deep breath in and out. And now either find a point in the room to focus on or gently close your eyes. Continue with these intentional, slow, deep breaths. Go ahead and check in with your mind and your body. Do you have a feeling of heaviness or lightness in your body? Do you have any thoughts coming up? any stress you're holding on to in your posture, your neck, your jaw, your hands. After checking in, just reflect on your breath and that stillness that you feel. Start to recognize how your body is breathing. Are your breaths long or short? Follow the rise and fall of your chest and belly while you breathe. Sit with this feeling, just focusing on the rise and falls. Now give yourself some time to let your mind wander and allow anything that comes up for you to be observed. And do this for a few moments. Come back to focusing on your breath and reconnect with your breath now. The only important thing being inhaling and exhaling. On your next inhale, repeat to yourself, I am enough. On your next inhale, repeat, I am worthy. Again, on your inhale, I am enough. 
And on this inhale, I am worthy. Go ahead when you're ready and take a deep breath in through your nose all the way and hold it for a count of three. For a big exhale out, release anything you need to. And one more big breath in all the way, hold for three. And a big exhale. And you can revert back to your normal breathing. Start to bring your thoughts, your mind, your focus back into the room. Slowly and gently wake yourself up from this relaxed state. Whenever you're ready, gently float open your eyes back into the room. And I hope the listeners out there, my lovely host, Bree, I hope you guys enjoyed that little moment of relaxation. I just realized I haven't done a guided meditation in a little bit. I led the last one when I was hosting on the podcast, so I absolutely needed that. And that was Yay. wonderful. It made me remember <laughs> I'm a big positive affirmations person. And mm-hmm. so when we were repeating those it made me remember on my cap for my college graduation, I just stenciled out in sparkles, of course, (laughs) just the two words I am, because those are so powerful for me. Yeah, You say I am and then fill it in with whatever you want to be. And I'm a big believer in whatever it is you say, you will lead your life in a way that makes that true. Totally. So I think that is, again, another reminder for myself. I'm like educating the world about this. I need to be educating myself or reminding Mm -hmm. myself on this first, (laughs) is that we can do what we really want to do, what we are passionate about, we can live our lives in a way that leads us to making that true. I did have another thought on this really quick. When I was preparing for this episode, you know, I was like, okay, I know how I experience imposter syndrome, but what are other people thinking about it? So I did a hashtag Mm. imposter syndrome search on Instagram. And I'm Okay, I'm new to TikTok. I think you can search by hashtag on TikTok. Okay, I'm going to sound like I'm 50-something years old when I say that. Anyway, wherever you can search a hashtag, search hashtag imposter syndrome, and there are great resources for you. There's so much content. There is... So there are so many other people who are identifying that they also struggle with this. Mm. So if you need community around imposter syndrome, just go ahead and search the hashtag. See what you can find. Follow those pages. I think it'll help out. I love that. Yeah. And I was going to say, I'm going to sound like a million years old because I've never used TikTok. Um, But that's really cool to know. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, looking for those things and being on media, I think that would bring up not only that validation that I'm not the only one, but I can only imagine there's probably a lot of humor as well as the reality kind of laced into some of those hashtags and the posts people are creating about imposter syndrome. So I love that. 
And I just want to kind of circle back and just say again, um, you know, these are really self-limiting beliefs that we could have. There's no judgment there, but it's just, it's the reality of it, right? It's just, these are really limiting beliefs. And I think when it comes to our internal dialogue, sometimes, you know, being so self-critical, um, it's really, again, it's ingrained in us. I think, you know, we're really used to that. We're used to judgment. We're used to all of that. But I think it, it would really do us all a wealth of good to explore what our internal dialogue sounds like. Because if our internal dialogue is negative, if it is self-limiting, that's going to kind of be the loudest thing we hear, right? Which is why other people telling us we're good enough or telling us we're good at something, you know, that that voice is going to be muddled because our voice is so much louder. And so I think just redirecting our thoughts, trying to just kind of reframe the ways that we think about who we are and about what we're capable of, um, you know, definitely keeping in mind some of these steps, right? Like not comparing ourselves to others, you know, actually looking at the facts and what we have done, you know, really really um, take those into account, you know, no, don't just brush those off. Like, yeah, like easier said than done. And maybe that's silly, you know, really, yeah, journal about it, right? Or, or keep it in your thoughts, write a note in your phone and check in with yourself because you never know, maybe really going through with that for yourself might prompt you to seek out those things that you wouldn't have sought out before or to feel like you are empowered enough to go out for X, Y, and Z whatever it is. And I think, you know, a lot of people out there, including Bree and myself, we might really surprise ourselves, right? Once we kind of get out of our own way. And so I encourage my host and I, but also all the listeners out there that are still a part of this conversation to do that for ourselves. I think we all deserve it. We'll do the, speaking of TikTok, we're going to do a new imposter syndrome challenge where you accomplish something that you thought you couldn't accomplish. We're going to make it a thing. (laughs) We'll see if we can figure out TikTok first. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not on TikTok to get that going, but I will on Instagram. I will join for that. So yeah, keep a lookout for that, <laughs> listeners. We will try to get that going. We will include all the resources that we talked about below. And we just want to make sure that you check those out. I know I will be double checking mm-hmm. all of those because I need more of all of that in my life. We thank you all for joining this conversation and we will see you next time.